I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole, hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. this sound better it sounds perfectly fine now we did I don't it. Hear any chop we've done done okay. it we done did it all right okay. so thanks everyone for being patient i know shit happens it's always fun to have a c-section live i guess but um <laughs> so tell us we were kind of talking about comedians i was mentioning you know bill burr and philip k not philip k dick uh louis ck and joe rogan uh, two um, very different men <laughs> Quite, yeah, right, on the scale of uh, socially acceptable at this point. And um, thanks Michael for switching rooms. Now you're perfectly synced, Tony. Yeah, you're, you're doing good. Right. So I will shut the fuck up. Um, you can kind of pick back up where you were. If you even want to recap what you said originally, uh, you don't have to, clearly, um, because it was choppy and redacted. But basically, you grew up in Boston. You were in Harvard. You were on campus, essentially, growing up, which I found not ironic, but like synchronistic, I guess is a better term. Um, given you're a Capricorn and want to be a part of achievement and high status and stuff, not in a bad way, but it's like, that's the creme de la creme of <laughs> Ivy league, whatever's. Then um, let me just interrupt. Cause what I think the real creme de la creme is, is someone who managed to get there, you know, and get out and not get completely brainwashed and actually become a relevant comedian or have relevant topics to discuss which I think is the real graduation. I'm not sure how you see this, and I don't know, maybe you have a doctorate or something, but maybe <laughs> maybe just as an aside, tell me a little bit about whatever academic endeavors or how you see university. And then the second question, because the one video of you I saw is where you do all these stretchings. And what always comes to my mind here is the, the synchronicity or holographic resonance connection, if you wanna use fancy words, between the ability to be flexible in mind and to be flexible in body because i often also find this is this can easily be related and i'd love to know your your opinion you gotta watch your gyration nation videos bro they're they're gold jerry they're gold well i think it's interesting to think about mental flexibility and physical flexibility and also when you are part of institutional thinking how much you are distracted from your own imagination and you are almost encouraged to take on your ability to use other people's thoughts to justify your own thoughts. And so when I look at institutional learning and how you are meant to write an essay in the beginning, you are told, okay, I'm gonna go read other people's work and through my reading of other people's work, I'm gonna regurgitate their thoughts. And maybe through this regurgitation process, I might come up with some idea that is my own but it's my own through this very specific lens of information that i just received so i think one of the things that's interesting about academic academia as a confine is that it's really contingent upon you 
conforming to ideas that have already been accepted by society. And I do think Cute there's Pink something... Floyd the wall, right? It's just like, right. fit in the mold or else no go. And you, in order to deconstruct something, you have to understand what has been constructed and how it's been constructed. So it's not as if education is meaningless because then you're in a postmodern nightmare where you don't understand how everything is and you're not necessarily aware of the context of which you came from. But how do you break free from wanting to be accepted from this societal uh, expectation of what it is to be educated or intelligent or smart? I think that's where things start to get convoluted because your identity gets really wrapped up in having people agree with you versus exploring ideas. And I think that's one of the things that's really difficult about modern conversation is that there isn't a lot of space for exploration because people are always attacking and judging versus questioning and examining. A thousand percent said perfectly well. Everybody says they can hear you perfectly, by the way. So we're ace and we're good to go. We did it. We did it. Tinkerbell's wings. Clap. Clap, Peter. Clap. My wings are not right. <laughs> like the hook illusion. Sorry. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Spielberg's hook. I would imagine so, given we're in the same age bracket, basically. Uh, if you haven't, that's okay. Good movie. Um, so he had a question about body stuff, and I, I want to get into the body stuff for sure. Oh, yeah, um, right. Trust me. I was like, hey, Raphael, you're just loading up the cues here up on the front end. Uh, all good. We can get to that kind of idea later, but if you want to tackle it now, you totally can. And then we'll just kind of keep right the through. open right the physical the flexible mind and flexible bo body. Well, obviously, from a philosophical standpoint, people are always looking at the mind body duality and what is the conversation and relationship between the two. And I think one of the things about having an open mind that can be dangerous is that you are open minded, right? And when you have an open mind, there is all sorts of ways in which you can think and you can be influenced. I mean, I have a very open mind. And so if someone wants to convince me that the earth is flat, I'm open to it. I'm not necessarily sold on everything that I'm You're told, totally team I'm, rabbit hole. You're playing with I'm the ideas. I'm open to it. Yeah. I like to play with the ideas of what is reality. And I think the body is basically the most wise part of the human experience because the body isn't limited to the programming into the confines of language. So whenever we're speaking in language, there is that sense of how we have been told to speak that's always filtering how we communicate when we're using our brains and our minds. Like my brain has been like my brain believes the story that it's been told ultimately, because that story that my brain has been told is how I've come to form reality. So when I have conversations with people or when I'm trying to pick apart complex ideas with my mind, I'm always going to be entwined with the thoughts that have come with the programming of my human experience. But when we look to the body, the wisdom of the body, I do believe we're tapping into something that is beyond language that has to do with the ethereal, the mystical, you know, how we communicate from a telepathic perspective. So gesture, for instance, can have all sorts of meaning to people. And I think the thing that's interesting about the openness of body movement is that it can is that everyone accepts that it can mean a multitude of different things. You're not you know, you're not 
put into the box when you're moving the body because there is this understanding that, oh, this can mean one thing to another person and it can mean another person to another. But when we use our words and our mouths, we're really kind of like holding ourselves prisoner and hostage to ideas that we speak versus ideas that we feel or express through artistic measures, if that makes sense. Very succinct, and I totally concur. Uh, it's weird. I mean, Terrence McKenna's like, culture's not your friend, right? Um, and yet, ironically, it is what it is. Like, it's the Petri dish through which we develop. I mean, it's, the, you know, it is, it, you can't not, <laughs> you can't have an iPhone or a computer or whatever without software. It's just how it works. Um, being aware that you're kind of open source and programmable goes a long way. Um, actually, in your second Gyration Nation video that, I mean, I watched all three this morning because I woke up at 3 fucking a.m. because full moons, I guess. Um, I watched them and I was like, this is, uh, your comedy is good and your videos are good. And I felt like this was seriously important stuff, like to the degree where I was like, I hope you keep doing the Gyration Nation kind of tutorials or classroom or whatever you call it. Cause, uh, it's, it's so succinct and, and on point. I mean, it's, it's funny because you're playing with big ideas and you're, and you're pushing limits, but you're not so, uh, to reference McKenna, Terrence McKenna again, it's like, you're not so open-minded that you have the wind blowing through. Um, uh, you're, yeah. you're actually critical enough where it's like you're grounding and you're being realistic. I mean, you, you're willing to play with like, oh my God, maybe we're, you know, simulations or there's no free will. That's a big idea, but oh, Hey doggy. Um, but at the same time, uh, their, their internet debut, um, but at the same time you're grounded. I mean, the Capricorn really comes through in Aquarius, uh, Venus. You do love, I mean, that's co-ruled, uh, Aquarius by Uranus and Saturn. So it's structure related too, even though it's kind of fringe structure. Uh, I digress. So, um, we will tackle, I mean, I want to get into like what your performative kind of reality is. Um, you know, all the heady stuff about your output. Um, but I just, I want to make sure I cover enough bases of your past that people kind of know who the fuck you are. And it's always fun to just be like, why is this Pokemon? You know, why is Charizard? Where did he come from? Where, what's going on? So, um, you graduated, I think from Sarah Lawrence with a philosophy degree. So you didn't go to Harvard, which is fine. I don't care. Um, tell us a little about where, you know, you've been questioning things and like, what was the impetus towards that? Was it kind of a fallback or are you a thinker? And that's just how it went um define your terms kind of thing i mean philosophy is a heady thing i was i started there and I, I ended up dropping out because it's just like like you said you get um kind of prison food i haven't been to prison but it's like uh all you can eat buffet or whatever platters of thought and it's like look um here's hegel or here's nietzsche or whatever and they're gonna try to kind of it, it's good to know where we've come from etymologically kind of in terms of thought history um, but then you just start playing favorites and you can get into whole little niches of life. I mean, I'm sure most Gothic people have had a Nietzsche phase or whatever, right? Something like that. So, um, tell us a little about college and maybe some of those formative moments and how you dealt with all that jazz. Yeah. It's funny. You keep asking me and then I keep like <laughs> turning to these abstract ideas. I Not a problem. I'm sick of myself. You know, you ever get sick of yourself and you get sick of your own stupid story and you're like, ah, oh, who fucking cares about myself? But um, I think the, the reason for me around a lot of why I am the way I am is because of growing up in this academic environment, but also having a disdain for it, an equal disdain. And almost seeing, you know, when I think you have parents that are successful, but you see them as humans who have flaws, then you begin to question everything about 
the structure that is respecting them so much. So of course, my parents are delightful human beings and they're both in academics and they're professors. And, you know, they were very um, interested in news and in culture and in society, et cetera. But because I was a child, a black sheep in that environment, I questioned everything. And institutional education was like high on my list of that. So after I went to high school, I did a program called City Year, which is, uh, it's like an AmeriCorps. I did City Year Philly. Oh my God. Yeah, oh gang gang. God. See, I told yeah. you you were Team Rabbit Hole. I told you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did mine like 2007 or whatever, but uh, my God, Philadelphia. Don't do it in Germantown. Shout out Germantown. But um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. The red jackets and the calisthenics and all that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The slap happies. So I did this program and in that program, you really do devote your life for that year to service and you work with kids. At least when I did it, I was working with kids and there's something about that concept that is so humbling to be of service and to be of service to children and children that are not yours, that you're never going to see again. And so for me, that really woke me up to this concept of privilege. I, I do not think that at that time, not obviously privilege has always existed, but in terms of like the cultural zeitgeist, people weren't talking about white privilege in the same way. They weren't talking about class privilege in the same way. They weren't talking about academic privilege or emotional privilege. Like these were things that just culturally weren't as popular to discuss. So for me, I kind of had a renaissance of the soul when doing city year because i was really slapped in the face of my level of privilege and with that comes this like humbling and this desire to honor the privilege that i'm given and to not take it for granted and i also felt like culturally there was this really odd phenomenon of equating college with parties and so there was all these movies like American Pie. American Pie came out when I was in Boston. We were talking about that when yes, we were gone. It's like, all of yep. that cultural stuff where he was like, college is for parties and you're supposed to be social and party and you're supposed to fuck guys in fraternities. And I was like, oh, no, you know, like college is a privilege. Like this isn't, uh, this is a the only chance in life where you're really going to be able to explore your academic mind within this you know, container where people are trying to develop your intelligence. Like, what are you fucking talking about? Also, I partied plenty in high school. I think I was a little partied out. So imagine what what would we expect from the here we are now entertain us generation at a level? I mean, it's a postmodern kind of dark side where it's just like, yeah, what's novel? I want to, you know, and partying, especially that age developmentally, like psychologically, physiologically, it's, it's a very explorative time. So not everyone's like on a career path. They're more like, how you know how fucked up can i get who am i hooking up with i didn't really roll like that but anyway i didn't mean to cut you off just so people know americorps is or city or rather is this americorps thing which is kind of like a domestic peace corps so you're going into i mean you have teams or whatever and you're going into i don't know about your situation but like middle and elementary school i was with elementary school kids um running after school programs doing in-class assistance um and usually in like more underprivileged harder uh ghetto dare i say areas at least in philadelphia like i'd bump into a gun on the bus and i was just like this is real like <laughs> okay uh so it, it just it, people are like what are they even talking about it, it was it's a very hands-on um frontline civic duty bright-eyed bushy-tailed idealism kind of 
thing. And I lo- it, it's tricky because it doesn't pay well and it's hard. I, I mean, you probably have horror stories. It's like, because I, I was a mid-year. I only did a few months. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is a burnout real quick. I mean, it's heavy. You start seeing the um, the systemic failure. And even beyond just the system, it's like family structures aren't being met the same way I'm used to. So it's like a lot of these kids don't know their parents or are you know kind of left to their own devices, et cetera, et cetera. I am totally hogging the mic. Sorry. So keep going with what your thoughts were. No. And I think exactly what was speaking to you was speaking to me as well. And this deep responsibility to be a force of consistency for children who didn't have that at home and really feeling the injustice of that. And I think the thing that's interesting about city or, you know, or that experience, as you mentioned, this world word idealism And I think it's really difficult to negotiate and manage idealism when you're doing on the ground activist work, because it is really difficult and it is really disheartening. And you do see a lot of the underbelly of of how how much the system is designed to keep things the way that they are. And you almost feel like a, you know, a rabbit or like futility. Yeah, you the feel the you, yeah. you feel the gerbil in the wheel and you feel very futile. And yet when you look at it from just a purely individualist perspective, my life was changed. The kids that I was there for that year, like their life was impacted by my presence. And so from that microcosm, you can have hope. But from the macrocosm, your hope is really challenged. And so to maintain that sense of idealism. I think is the key to doing any sort of work where you're devoting yourself to fighting against the status quo, or maybe that's even not even the language we want to use. Imagining fighting against is actually giving it power. You know, what do I want to say that I'm um, working towards something like renovating, renovating. Yeah. I'm I'm working towards something different. I'm renovating. I'm, I don't know, pontificating. Because it's usually it's like I think it's like eighteen to twenty five year olds. It's a very young thing, um, and it tended to be I don't know. It's like instead of going abroad, it was a whole slew of people doing it. But it seemed more like you know gap year kids who are like instead of going right to Harvard or whatever, I'm gonna go figure out how the world works. And it was it was very realistic. There's actually a documentary we were told to watch, and I don't know if you've ever seen it called Boys of Baraka. Uh, it's about Baltimore inner city mm-hmm. youth going over to Africa and kind of getting yeah. stuff with the roots and stuff. Really heavy shit. We watched that. I was like crying. I was like, what the fuck? This is, ah, we're here in the middle of this. Um, but it was surreal to me because I mean, I had more hair back then. Uh, I had these, uh, you know, young African-American kids touching my hair and asking me if I had slaves and shit. And I was just like, what? Like I, it wasn't a joke. <laughs> like they just did not really hang out with white people. And it was like, I was a, you know, the albino gorilla in the jungle or whatever. So it was just like alien alien card right um so heady stuff we don't have to tread on it forever but it's if people are interested in that um always you know donate to it if you've ever got some loose change and you just don't know what to do there's plenty of um movements that are designed to try to rectify a situation that does seem futile but it's like we the people in america at least the theory is you know we're here doing it it's us these systems are made of people we can adapt it and change it it might not happen overnight but Boston itself is a very revolutionary town. Things happen. Sons of Liberty, right? So we just have to be aware of that power. But 
it can be, feel very futile. When I left there, I was burnt out and I was just depressed. I think I got into alcoholism right after that. I was just like, Jesus Christ, what what the hell? Like America is not what I thought. Anyway, uh, talk about anything you'd like on. I mean, we can keep going or hover here or whatever's clever. Well, yeah, America is not what I thought. That exactly, and I think that that's a really heartbreaking realization when you start to recognize that. Oh, what is my responsibility? for my government, you know, like on the one hand, I'm like, well, there's nothing to fucking do with me. I'm not, I'm not fracking. I'm not doing that shit. But on the other hand, I am the benefactor of all the atrocities that my government is doing on a daily basis. And that is a really hard, painful thing to reconcile. So even if I don't agree with it, I'm still benefiting. You know, I do not agree with the military industrial complex. I do not agree with the way that like, our tax system has been allocating funds. I do not agree with any, with any of that, but here I am, doop de doo you know? <laughs> like We don't want to go live in mud dub huts about it. I, it's, it's a weird thing between practicality and idealism. I mean, that's a weird edge to float on because you're trying to change the culture from within, but then you have to submit to it to the degree to work with it. Like I use money. I mean, we can use crypto, but even that's pretty volatile. So it's a tricky time. Anyway, I'll shut up. Um, so you did sit here. Uh, you were a full year. I was a mid-year. That's pretty heavy shit. After that, like you were going to college, I guess? Yeah. So after that, I went to a school called Sarah Lawrence, which is a very kind of, uh, it's a more alternative school. And I actually grew up at a very, very, very basic school in a certain sense that like have like sports as a priority sports and academics and you do this and you go to business school and it wasn't necessarily a creative space nor did I think of myself as a creative person because I was fitting into a different culture at the time and always feeling slightly alien within it but also dealing with like the social pressures of of being um you know in a school. <laughs> so like, okay, how do I negotiate and navigate this? But when I went to Sarah Lawrence, I never thought of myself as creative and I didn't even really think of myself as creative there, but I was beginning to be exposed to creative people. And that's when I started dancing. And I think the thing that's interesting about um, starting something late. So everybody in the dance program at Sarah Lawrence had been dancing their whole lives. I had never danced before. This was my first you know, soiree at it. And I was the worst. I was the worst in every single class I took for all four years. I was the worst person. And there's something really interesting about being the worst because somebody's got to be the worst. And sometimes that's you. And then what do you do with being the worst? And how do you handle being the worst? And I think for me, I was really committed to learning the art form of dance for a variety of personal reasons. It became uh, therapy for me. It became an antidepressant. It became how I was coping with like a really deep experience of mourning and the, the loss of a friend, my best friend. So dance was much more emblematic than just an activity that I did. And I'm not sure if that's my constitution. I'm not sure if that's something that's specific to me, but I would almost argue that physical connection is emblematic for everybody yet we don't always know like what our ultimate physical expression is and to what degree and to what pace and to what sense we should be committing ourselves to it. 
And I think one of the things that's really complicated about physicality is that often it's put into these, you know, these structures and confines of a gym. And I can't, I, I mean, some people maybe really do enjoy a, a gym workout, you know, or you're working out for the sake of working out. I'm not saying people don't enjoy that. They do, you know, but I always, there's a different motivation behind the artistic kind of stuff you were talking about. I mean, it's not just upkeep of the machine. It's more cathartic. Dare we say, yeah. 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 Expression of it. And I think upkeep is important, but I also think expression and, and exploration is an important part of, um, our relationship to the body. And I do think that from, you know, I talk a lot about beauty and and how there is this desire to always be beautiful in what we do. And dance does not necessarily have to be about beauty and physical exploration doesn't have to be about beauty. It can be about something very different. And I think that's something that I try to like bring out in myself and bring out in others in like classes that I do is to just explore sensation and observation versus judgment and expectation. And I think that when we see the body in that way, from this observational place and like, whoa, what kind of odd things can it do? And like, and then also what kind of beautiful things can it do? Both of those things are meaningful. But I think that a lot of times we get stuck and stagnant in the concept of things being beautiful or perfect or, um, or pleasing. Yes. I was just looking at your chart for a second because uh, you asked, is this in my constitution or whatever? I mean, you have Saturn, which is like your structure um, limits and stuff like that. You might have had health issues at some point. but um, Oh, yes, I have. I have had health uh, issues. There you go. Uh, Saturn, Mars is your conjunct. Uh, your action is conjunct Jupiter, which is your expansion and your north node. It's all in seventh house Virgo. And this is a lot to be said. It's like you are here to basically work on health with others in relationship. I mean, you are designed for that. So oh, okay, it, and, cool. and with your Venus in 12th house Pisces, like you're going to just see the beauty and the high weird, the high, like the very fringe stuff more than most. Um, I, I'm just rambling about your chart, but it's not surprising to me that I feel almost like I forget the guy's name from like the eighties or whatever with the kind of Afro who wore spandex. And, oh yeah. 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 Um, oh, you know who I'm talking about? Is, yes. Yeah. 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 I, I couldn't tell you. I could figure I, it out. Oh, I guess. It's on the tip of my, my tongue. It's right there, but I can't remember. Ron, something Simmons? Yes. Yes. Simmons. Yes? We'll say Simmons. I, yeah, that, that's totally his name. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, maybe. Or Ron. Something or, like that. Who cares? But the guy. And then there was like in the 80s, the PBS guy with the bodysuit. I mean, that's like your department. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. This guy had like this see-through, like kind of like your innards on a latex oh like, yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah, like yeah. yes look yeah. and all. i mean he wasn't going you know buck wild about it but um that's kind of the ju- the vibe you're gonna always have where it's participatory you you have seventh house heavy stuff your actions are always going to be in teams or you know partnerships if you want to put it that way um and you're good at it i mean people like you um I'm just rambling about your chart. You probably don't care. But the point is you're you're built to I, kind of I give a message to people. All right, yeah. I haven't hey. had my chart read. You were talking about HD. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday. Witches in my life. You are incorrect. I, I am always interested. It's always fun to just kind of peer under the hood and be like, that's what's going on. Okay. The squirrel engine. I get it. Um, but 
yeah, you're, you're really designed to do a lot of health through people and teaching. I mean, teaching is a weird way to put it, but it's like performative acts that become embodied for health reasons and practical. It's not just like, you know, you're holding a skull and reciting Hamlet necessarily. It's more, <laughs> which I'm sure you could do. Um, but you're more like, it's really funny. Your gesticulations are so on point and kind of correct, I guess, in terms of a, a post linguist or pre-linguistic kind of fronting. Um, it, you should make your own little thesaurus, like a physical thesaurus. I don't know if that's, that's possible. That's funny. That's you should funny. do it or a dictionary. Just be like, because dude, if y'all haven't checked out her videos, I mean, we'll plug it later. Um, or now shit, she's got a YouTube channel and it's great. And some of the more helpful thing, I mean, there's funny absurdism, like Dadaism almost, right? There's highly absurd things, but it's still educational and very contemplative. And then there's the, uh, gyration nation. I swear you only did three videos. And I'm like, this is like, you should be putting a workshops with this doing it. I mean, yeah, no, it's funny. I'm li I, before we talked, I was literally like, okay, I'm finally going to write like what my workshop offering is. Yeah. So yes. Yes, on yes, stink, yes. And I did, did do a lot of classes for a while because I guess what I believe is that our intellectual mind knows a lot of things, right? Like I can look at my past or I could look at my relationship with my parents. I could look at my core wound and I can intellectualize to you and say how I should be healed from it or how I have compassion for those and I've worked through these issues from a cerebral point and I understand that this happened and therefore my parents had this reaction and therefore I had this, you know, it's like we are capable of doing that, especially if you're somebody who dances with self-reflection. I think you hit a point where you have understood yourself and you could communicate to another person why you are the way you are, but that doesn't mean that that those deep impulses are just gone. And it doesn't mean that your core sadness has just dissipated. And I think if we are going to really get into the healing and like the true healing of our soul or psyche, because our soul is probably just fine, but to heal the psyche, I think there's so much that we can do with somatics and do with the body and have this conversation and really let go, really, really, truly let go and not just tell ourselves that we've let go, not just say the thing that we know we should say because we've gone through the, the you know, the therapy the or the non-violent communication. Yeah, like the, the psychoanalytic kind of um, ego. I mean, there's nothing wrong with ego. You have to have an operative self or, what you know, it's like it is what it is. But like the prefrontal cortex is one, one you know, it's got its drawbacks, I guess. But um what you're saying is kind of, and I keep referencing Terrence McKenna, I haven't really thought about him in a hot minute, but uh, his archaic revival. I mean, we've pushed the limits on gnosis so much and, and like kind of articulation of um, a certain mode of thinking, Western kind of, you know, articulation of uh, breaking things down. Solway and coagula, right? We've solved, 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 solved. And we've got to really kind of melt back into the coagulation of it where it's like, uh, that's kind of alchemical stuff, which I think you dig. Um, but what you're talking about is embodied and somatic. It's, it's exactly correct. I mean, I, I just helped a family friend, um, gave a ride from the airport the other day and she was at a somatic, uh, she's 66. I think her birthday's tomorrow. Shut up. Um, but, uh, she was like, Oh, I just did this somatic thing. And, it, uh, I was, you know, crying and releasing things that I never thought of. You can, and she's an Aquarius, right? So she's like, she's definitely mental. She gets it. She can see the schematic and all this stuff. And there's a difference between seeing the path and walking the path, right. Or you know, yeah. knowing it here and then doing the thing which I really did appreciate. Um, once again, I keep hitting on your uh, gyration nation videos, but it's like, you were like, 
everybody says they have a practice and it's 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 kind of like the magic school bus or you know whatever metaphor i could i like there's a there's an intellectualization where you have to digest it that way and like you know you learn the concepts you have to you have to conceptualize things but then it turns into an adoption and a and a being the thing and there's many phases of that so you don't want to like hold on too tightly to any one modality or whatever but um yeah you're uh, hopefully you're comfortable by the way speaking of somatics um your videos uh, I was participating as much as I could. It was like 4 a.m. And I was just like, well, I got to <laughs> catch up on what she's about or else I'll sound like adult. Um, but basically you were even doing just little things about control. That was really profound to me. The control It's like this hand's doing whatever the fuck ever. And now I'll try to control that. And it's like, you, yeah, these are models that you just one. don't think about. And then you can apply it to all sorts of stuff. It's like, oh, look, this is people taking over the Congress and this is the police saying no or whatever you could, you know, extrapolate it any, anywhere. But um, if you want to talk about, well, we could keep talking about college and stuff, but we've dipped now a little, obviously into physicality and we can kind of take this any which way. I don't know if you want to keep going linear style or if you want to just kind of pop out like a little dolphin and do your thing. I like to, I like to dolphin it around again. I'm so tired of my own <laughs> story that I'm like, it's Ugh. new to us. I know you're I like, know, you you're trying to shed the story and we're like, Hey, tell us your like, greatest hits. What's the story, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. um, I think the thing that, you know, I really like to improvise in a certain setting and I love to improvise when it comes to working with others around healing. So, when I think of a concept like rage, I'm like, okay, well, let's explore rage. And then I get into a group with people and we all have the I, the objective to explore rage. And then all of these ideas come to me in that moment about how to explore our relationship to rage. And so I think one of the things that happens when we want to work with others is that there is this quantum collaboration and co-creation. So even if I am a facilitator and I'm the one who's doing the speaking, the energy of the people that are in the room with me are informing me. And they are my muse in that moment of like how we are going to physically explore a certain concept. And I think that it's really interesting when you, when you look at creativity. Creativity, I personally believe, flourishes with boundaries. So I love giving myself boundaries and I love giving myself assignments because once I have these boundaries and then I suddenly everything blasts open in a really interesting way. So if I just said to myself, Tony, do a workshop, you know, I would kind of be like, oh, I don't know. But if I was like, Tony, do a workshop about healing sibling abuse from ages six to nine, you know, I would suddenly feel really creative in that because I would have to you know, I would have to tickle different parts of my brain that I wouldn't necessarily know I had to wake up. So I think when we do healing work, there's often this assumption that there is the healer and then the person being healed or like, I am the therapist and I am then telling you patient what to do rather than, hey, let's both go into this space where we both collectively want healing to take place. And 
whether you know it or not, I'm going to heal from this. And whether I know it or not, you're going to heal from this. And even though I might be facilitator, that doesn't mean I am beyond the experience of healing. This is a healing for me as well. It's the and holographic if, card, right? It's, it's yes. Like, look, y'all. And it's I think if we all approached it this way, it would be so much deeper rather than, oh, I'm going to my doctor and my doctor's going to fix me and then I'm going to be a little better. It's like, no. Healing is collective. Healing is a dance that you do. You know, it's like you, when you go and a doctor operates on you, your body still does the healing. Your body still does a lot of that work. It's not just the doctor. These are collaborations. So I think for me, that's what's so fascinating and interesting about somatic work is every time I go into an experience to work with people, I also am being in a space to heal the self, you know? So it's it's an entwined double helix. You have a whole lot of Virgo energy, like I said, Mars, Jupiter, North Node, it's in seventh house kind of energy. Um, the moon, I just got a message, I mean, how dumb new age am I? It's like, the moon is now in Virgo. It's like, but of course, that's the hermit card, right? So it's, it's coming out, but this is a different kind of hermit. It's one that's been in the depths and is showing it for the sake of others. It's not just hiding it under a bushel, so to speak. What, what what you were kind of saying, though, made me think of um, what we're dealing with. And you mentioned it earlier, and I really want to get into it at some point, or not, you know, now, whatever, but uh, postmodernism, modernism kind of schisms. It it made a lot of sense at one point to be like, look, we have to standardize some stuff. <laughs> we, need a, we need a tried and true method, if you want to put it that way, like scientific methods and kind of standardization. You know what I'm saying? Like the past 300 years, it had a, it, it's, we're at the end of it now, clearly, because now people are just kind of doing the Wally thing where they're just kind of passive consumers of a system that's maybe working or not, and they just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. Whereas what you were kind of referencing was um, it's tricky because it's not postmodern to the degree where it's like everybody is their own guru. I mean, that's a little of it, but um, how, because way earlier on you were talking about like, I, I forget how you phrased it, but you were just like, it's not like a you know, an ideological no man's land where anything goes. Like it's not Mad Max out here. Like there's gotta be some kind of rules. You weren't like poo-pooing postmodernism necessarily, but you were kind of, it, it struck me as that you weren't like all about it, you know, and, and yeah, if you were to watch your videos, I'd be like, this is a acid eating Dadaist and they're, you know, whatever. I, I would just assume automatically that you're like the most progressive, the mo you know what I mean? Like it, you embody a very, uh, postmodern laissez-faire kind of reality. So I'm wondering what do you think the benefits are of structure? Cause you're a Capricorn with a lot of Virgo energy. So I think what you were saying a minute ago is like, you can't, you know, don't just be like anything goes and then it's a lot less, um, you need prompts, like writing prompts. I think uh, Miles Davis said, like, learn the theory, right? And then improvise when you know the theory, then toss it away. It's like, it's one thing. Have you ever seen Yoko Ono uh, sing with Frank Zappa or um, John Lennon or whatever? That's, you gotta YouTube this sometime. It's, it's on the one hand, it's art, sure. On the other hand, it's like cacophonic kind of overzealous weirdness. She's an Aquarius. Um, I'm rambling, Jesus Christ, sorry. But um, what are your thoughts on kind of modernism and postmodernism? Uh, we'll kind of tug at your philosophy degree a little here. If you don't want to talk about that, that's fine too. You can say, shut the fuck up, Jim. I don't want to talk so about So, Jim, that. before you chain the 10th tangent, I'll let you reply, Tony. And then I brought a special guest who I was thinking about just as we started or as we, you were talking now about movement and so on, which is a dear friend of mine. And maybe he has some input or some questions too. Actually, somebody we interviewed before. But first, Tony. Oh, wow. See? Jim's got it, got it on the deck. So, Tony. Um, so I think 
you know, the overall consensus is, is that in order to reject something, you must know it, you know, so if you are, if you want to be an abstract painter, it's probably going to behoove you to learn the structures of painting and theory and color, et cetera, et cetera. And then in order for you to truly abstract from something, you had to have understood the structure of which you're abstracting from. And I think that that is both true and untrue because the problem is is that once you really embed yourself within a structure of truthness of you know of universal understanding of something then to truly abstract from it you're always going to be in reaction to it it's like within a patriarchy does feminism really exist because feminism is always in reaction to patriarchy so what is feminism within that it's 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 not even its own thing. It's a, it's a reaction of something. It's a reaction of something that wouldn't even be significant without the thing it's reacting to. So Which gets tricky because it's like causally necessary in that sense. It's like this is how the tree branches, you know, bifurcate or whatever. It's like tick, 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 cause and effect and reaction, counterpoint, all this kind of stuff, what you're saying. Um, right. But we're at this weird place now when you say feminism. It's like uh, – it gets very political. I don't even want to get very political, but it's like, I guess people like in, it's in America, we have like free uh, the pursuit of happiness. So that can be a, defined very broadly at this point. So I guess if somebody wants to be, you know, a five-year-old and go through sex change, if it is, do they know what their happiness is defined as? Is this a cultural reaction? Is this coming from, it, it gets tricky so quick. Um, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but the point is, um, it seems like we're the, like Terrence McKenna. God, you'd think I was like worshiping at his feet. Um, talks about the a transcendental object at the end of time, like just where psychedelics would be the lubrication for the times. And it seems post twenty twelve, it's been fucking crazy out here. Uh, I mean, I trip and used to smoke and grow and stuff, but it's like that really helped. I'm raw dogging it now, um, which is kind of hard, but um, it's crazy times. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's just me. I think we're all like being presented with a, a clear history of reality that made sense but it's not fitting it's kind of like a um chris farley fat man in a little suit kind of thing it's like it it's it's garments are armani that's great but it's not quite fitting and it worked at one point but it's not working but that doesn't mean burn all the clothes and you know like flay yourself or whatever like hyper reactionism um so it's hard to know how to nuance this and this and i want to say for the record um this is why astrology is great and kind of self-awareness not everybody is gonna you know some people want to walk barefoot some people want to wear uggs some people are going to do stiletto pumps in the club or whatever so it's not a one-size-fits-all reality um but it seems that we've come to a westernized crescendo where we all have the same script and then we're kind of looking at each other saying this isn't really working but we have to do it because why wouldn't we do it um but that's kind of where your your essence is coming in it seems like you understand the fundamentals but you're playing with the edge if that makes sense yeah, and I think that's where, from a modernist, postmodern perspective, this is where imagination and creativity is so important. Because if you just follow the script, or if you just look at history, and you don't question the narrative, and you don't say, well, what is the objective of this narrative? Who benefited from this narrative? How does this narrative serve the structures that are, you know, most financially, really, and from a power perspective, are exalted, right? And so everything that we're looking at in terms of science, in terms of history, in terms of art, you know, these are things that have been designed and allowed and basically 
nothing that threatening has flourished to a point of it being within popular culture. Because the second it becomes popular culture, it is not a threat. It is not, you know, and I think that's the thing that is most disheartening. And I think one of the the biggest things, you know, is like, hey, let's get rid of borders. Hey, let's get rid of money. Hey, what's that going to look like? You know, and if you say stuff like that, if you say, well, we should really just abolish borders and money and then, you know, start from there, the the reaction you will get from people, um, because that takes a lot of imagination to understand how we would then be organized. And I think people want to be organized because if, if like, we're all kind of still children, nothing is more unsettled than a child with no rules you know they actually are not that happy as somebody who's raised a child like some rules are really important but those rules have to have like a certain benevolence and the the rules of society that we exist in there is no benevolence it's not looking out for your best interest or mine at all you know so i think that um long story long, you know, I do think radical authenticity is going to need radical, radical changing of structures. Yeah, there's momentum behind, you know, money, for example, or whatever. Um, Rome wasn't built in a day. So whatever we're going to come up with next is going to trickle in, whether it's, you know, crypto or barter system i was like why isn't there like a website where people like say what their you know trade is or value and be like i'll give you an hour massage what are you going to offer me it's like a craigslist i'm sure there There actually are all kinds of differences well what the fuck i'm i'm eight days back i guess anyhow before you go on any further jim i'll bring in frank if that's okay with you tony he's also a i would say experimental dancer but i'll let him introduce himself and i think you'll greatly enjoy each other's insights welcome frank here we are. Hello, hello. Do you hear me? Can you understand me? Yes, perfect. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, hello, everybody. I was just What's spontaneously, up, I got invited uh, to this conversation. And um, um, yeah, um, I find it really interesting what you were talking right now. Greetings from Berlin. It's super cold. I'm in my kitchen because my girlfriend is sleeping. And uh, yeah here i am um just a question uh tony are you are you the the actress who was making these videos that went viral yeah i mean i i i'm just gonna take credit for that yes that's me cool super super good especially the one you made with this uh, uh psychiatrist uh like oh yes it explained it so well it like it nailed the 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 opinion of that time like perfectly it was like uh beautiful yeah well welcome frank um so i i might just steer in a direction with your production company okay so let's just say you graduated from uh sarah lawrence with a philosophy degree and uh what i mean were you just like hell yeah i'm gonna change the world from the inside out and use my hyper weirdness to change the structure because you've been doing uh the can i mean we call this episode learning by cave light i that's a weird plato's cave illusion slash you've got cave light productions so when did you start making content at a very specific level um and you've kind of branched off into a few places comedy dance and then comedy kind of combined like stand-up is not quite the same thing as these 
videos where like he was saying you're uh they're almost sketches i guess you could say um tell us a little about how you got into that and we'll try to get to dance stuff which frank can relate to more but i i will get to the present asap i guess is my point yeah no now i want to check out frank's work i'm super curious i think you know when you're the type of person that has a compulsion right i am i have a compulsion i it's not just like I, I have no chill. I'm like, we must talk about this. You know, we must get to the deep underbelly of yourself and everything that goes around. Because I do believe that in order for us to um, grow and evolve as a society, we must grow and evolve as humans, right? And that spiritual evolution is integral. Because if we just like, we're like, oh, cool, let's, fuck, let's just fucking chop down everything. And we have the same spiritual you know, spiral that we're at, like, how are we going to actually create something that's new? We're just going to like, it's like the movie or the book, the beach where you're like, well, we're just going to go start this intentional community where like, I fuck your wife. And then I get really pissed about it. And then like, ah, fuck you. Let's burn it to the ground. That was so kind of a lame this... mushroom trip uh, montage for the record. I, was, I, I get at the time it was like Banjo Kazooie or something like that. Um, oh yeah. But they could have done so much better. Anyway, they I didn't could have done better, but it's like, I, I love the concept of intentional communities. I think they're very interesting. I think from a standpoint of looking at philosophical examples of what the future can bring we should turn our attention to intentional communities because these are the people that are trying to restructure how we relate to each other but if you're starting an intentional community with your same emotional caca that you've already you know haven't really healed or you've already you know blasted out into the universe then i'm not exactly sure we're going to be doing the work we need to be doing so i guess for me, everything that I've been trying to do in my whole life is about that spiritual exploration and that spiritual evolution. And I'm just sharing my personal spiritual journey. That's all I'm doing is sharing what I go through. And sometimes I am up and sometimes I am down and I share both, you know, I don't just like try to be like, <laughs> I'm so involved. and like, look at me. I accept myself fully all the time. I'm so authentic. It's like, no, I care about what people think about me. I cry because someone writes me an email that hurts my feelings. Like, and I will express that as much as I can. Because I think that I'm all right, this is where I'm at in the spiral. Like you can write an email and you can hurt my feelings. I can cry for three days about it because I don't like a shitty email. So I think that like from for me and like what dance has done, I just like I am not the best dancer on planet Earth. There is a three year old who lives in Germany right now who's a better dancer than I will ever be. And I've seen them on the Internet do 20 head spins like there is no way that I'm trying to be the best at dance. The only thing I'm trying to do is use different ways of speaking. So like I have body speaking, I have stand up speaking, I have sketch speaking, I've written scripts, I wrote a fucking book. Like I'm just trying to share my experience at a manic degree <laughs> for sure, you know? And these are just all different platforms of which to do it because people learn differently. People get tickled by different things. Some people are like, your dancing videos, ugh, you're spaz. Like, you should sit down and just fucking talk, you dumb bitch. And other people are like, why are you so still? Why aren't you dancing around? What are you doing not dancing, you dumb bitch? And either way, you can be a dumb bitch to somebody. So you just have to fucking uh, 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 put it out. 
Oh my yeah. god, it would be a dream to make Joe Rogan cry, but like in a good way. <laughs> Give him bad. DMT, I want to connect. I, I would love to connect to him. Uh, Sorry, I just saw that comment. Oh yeah, check out. Respond to anything. It's it's funny because um, I think one of the things that it's it's trite, I guess, at this point in a new age new age community sense, was like it's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. What is Aquarius? Kind of like everybody has tattoos and wears weird clothes and has lingo that's bizarre. And that's not a problem, but like the whole zeitgeist itself is eccentric, I guess you could put it largely. And it's just bleeding more and more that way. Um, I mean, even as Americans, we had Donald Trump as a president. It's like, is this really happening? <laughs> right? It's like, it's, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre world out here. So um, I think one of the things that you can be proud of, Tony, is that uh, you're being authentic, but you're, it's not just about being authentic. I mean, in a sense, everybody's exactly shining as bright as they can in the hologram at any given time you know what i mean in a sense there's no inauthenticity it's just a matter of like how aware of it are you and all this kind of jazz you're being really authentic which is dope but also you're um uh it's eclectic i mean you're taking i don't know some of the philosophers that you like i've read for terence mckenna a lot alan watts maybe some of these kinds of people you're into um maybe not i mean lay it on me whoever you're into in terms of the roots of your thinking because i think uh, and it's probably a lot of your own thinking too, but we're we're echo chambering kind of the the '60s and '70s. Like their idealism has trickled in enough now to kind of make. Um, I was thinking about it. It's not a subculture. It's a, it's an ultra culture or something like that. Where it's like we get like you know the yin and yang, and now we're trying to kind of be break that fourth wall or something like be the third perspective. But that doesn't mean we're out of the yin and yang. Like sometimes we're good, sometimes we're bad, sometimes we're hip, sometimes we're losers, whatever. Um, I am rambling. What? Who are some of the thinkers that have influenced your sketches um, or comedians? That, like we were naming comedians. Really, if you said zero people, I have done this in the abyss. I would believe it. So it's all good. You don't even have to reference anybody. Um, but uh, the guy, um, I'm forgetting, um, Gene Wilder, I'm, you strike me a little like him a little, where he was kind of playing with stuff and he was authentic, but um, likable. I mean, it's weird. Some people can be very... Uh, uh, absurd and it's hard to digest uh you know yours is right i mean you had that guy watching you i forget his name now already the little jewish guy and he wasn't ben like Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. i'll never forget it again sorry ben um he wasn't like vomiting at it he was it was like the bearded lady at the circus or whatever he was like what's going on but i think he needed to see it in that way like his world is devoid of these colors and these ideas and even if he's not going to jump on the bandwagon and do these things himself necessarily um you could tell he was kind of enjoying himself, dare I say. Like, I think he, I think he was being watered in a weird way. Like he, like he was, you know, he didn't hate on it. He was like, that's great. Okay. Like it was kind of interesting to see. Cause he, you know, it wasn't like he was going to burn down Paris, like, uh, during a Tchaikovsky, you know, opening of the spring of right or right of spring rather. Um, he didn't overreact. So I have, I'm just kind of rambling Gemini life. Sorry. Sorry. But uh, who are some of the thinkers that you tend to kind of huff their fumes? Um, maybe we've heard of them, maybe not, because I'm always interested. How are you kind of shaping your ontology? And um, do you have like, mo- like uh, you know, cre- not a creed or a motto, but it's like, what's your, uh, what's your kind of uh, schematic for when you approach these projects, whether it's production, uh, your music videos, honestly, it reminded me a little of talking heads or Frank Zappa a little where it's like the humor 
um, especially of the Meggings uh, video. I saw that and it was like, you're peeing on me or whatever. It's like, or it's like getting wet or whatever you said. Uh, Cause there's a little tune, but then there's like little asides that are kind of like, where's Waldo jokes. And hopefully people pick up on that. So anyway, I just buckshotted you with a bunch of questions, answer whatever you'd like, Avi. Um, so I think one of my favorite philosophers is Spinoza. Uh, do you, do y'all know Spinoza? I done heard his name. I think barely. Uh, he could be German even. I think he was Dutch. Okay. So um, Spinoza, he, he wrote all his philosophies in mathematical proofs. And I always thought that was a really um, interesting approach to kind of look at philosophy through the lens of mathematics. Also, Spinoza had this objective. He wanted to live out the ultimate philosophical life. And so he was reacting to, you know, the the like the Hobbes and the Descartes of this time or what have you. And he, um, who was the one that he was really reacting to? There was one Christian philosopher that was such a dick. Who is? No, there was another uh, one. It's on, on the. Well, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Some little Christian fucker. But um, so Spinoza so, wanted to be Mario with the star. Spinoza was was it. Jewish. But Spinoza, like what I really appreciated him about him was his objective to live out this philosophical ideal. And so he wanted his life to embody philosophy. And as someone who studied philosophy, I always wanted to see if I could live my life out in a philosophical way. And I do think that philosophy and spirituality, especially Buddhism, are, you know, obviously Buddhism is considered a philosophy in a lot of circles. So I think most circles. I don't think anyone would deny that Buddhism is a philosophy. Yeah, um, it's not a theology because there is no God. Right. right. So, so it's a I think in terms of how to live philosophically is a question that I've always been devoted to and wanting to live my life philosophically. Um, and so I think my influence has always been approaching any subject from a philosophical lens. But I, I I don't know. It's funny. You want to do something. You nothing is unique. Nothing is nothing is fucking unique. We're always influenced by one another, and we are always picking up on little things in the unconscious. So, in a certain sense, what I'm most influenced by is what makes me laugh when I think about it. Like when I have an idea, like when some silly idea comes to me, like meggings. Like oh, I think it's funny men wearing leggings meggings you know like that's and if it makes me laugh i will not rest until i've made this you know so i have thousands of ideas on my computer and if it just if i laugh once i will write it down and then i will pursue it in whatever form so anything that makes me laugh i will examine but i always want to examine in a sense where there is this element of like social critique or social exploration or philosophical tickling i always want to be philosophically tickling people so there's like a function into your exploration it's not so just hyper romantic wagnerian you're not just like oh you know kind of going for it it's it's very it's self-referential it's self-aware that's why i said talking heads or frank zappa it feels like Kind of like Deadpool or something, looking at the camera and being like, is this really happening? Or, you know, whatever. Is this really yeah. happening? Yeah. Yes. I'm not like Tim and Eric, although I love Tim and Eric, but they are chaos usually... magicians or something. Schweidunkel Jungen. 
Uh, truly, <laughs> truly. But there is always something holding me back from being just in that realm of pure chaos and absurdity, which is well, I not, need like, dripping, to be reflecting. Uh, you're, yeah, you're Capricorn with Virgo stuff. Thank God you're not. I mean, they're like a ketamine trip that never ends or something like that or, or whatever. It's just like this weird headspace. Uh, it had to exist. And now Old Spice commercials and stuff like that kind of have sprouted those you know wings from that, this absurdism. I forget if it was Timothy Leary or who, but they were like, you know, the further along we go, the more psychedelic things are going to get, commercials, whatever. If you start, if you just pretended that you fell on Earth right now, you know, like an alien landing on Earth and just kind of looked at stuff, it's hyper surreal right now. I mean, it's just crazy. And I'm not really hating on it when I say it's crazy, but it, it seems like super kind of saturated. And how you're still surprised. But I want to give the well, card to, to Frank as well to see if he has any questions or comments on, on all that Tony said or anything you want to contribute, Frank. Uh, well, Tony, I am, it, it, I'm just by the, by these things you said before, I'm totally like, I don't know what to say because for me, it is some sort of, uh, like I have topics in my life that are relevant for me and my focus lies on it. And you are, you, are, you nailed it like perfectly. Um, sorry if I said it, but you and me, we are pretty much the same. And that's why I want to express my 100% and 110% respect for you being that integral to yourself, because I know this is upsetting many, many peoples. I mean, like uh, you are like some sort of a harlequin. We are harlequins. Or let's say the first uh, card in the Crowley, Crowley Tarot. The fool. The, the fool. <laughs> The fool is always considered as some sort of, uh, let's say, foolish. But foolishness also, which is something nobody talks about, also invites geniusness. So in order to be the fool, you must be able to <laughs> invite accidents. Some are bad. Some are genius. And to be the one who tickles people. You have to be really, really strong for this because they're like, in the first place, they will hang you. And then two weeks later, they will say, hey, thank you very much for telling me this. Actually, I thought about this. Uh, it was, it was, you're right, you're right. Uh, yeah, okay, but I was hanging. You still hang me there, <laughs> yes? <laughs> so, and yeah, it's some sort of, um, yeah, it, you have to be strong for this. Um, <laughs> uh especially in the in the in the spiritual community uh did i have streaming problems no? i hear you all right, no, all right. no you're fine okay okay yeah uh and she is a capricorn this... she's built to last in that sense <laughs> <laughs> you have to build to you have to be to last yeah and um yeah, it's uh, right now. Um, I, there is a book. I don't know who wrote it, but it's come. It comes from the states. Uh, it's called uh, "One Wrong Word" or something like this. Like right now, we are at the point where the insecurities, or let's say the inferior complexes of another person, is like a mine. Like you, while you speak, everything cool, but don't touch that one word. Don't touch that one specific topic, or it's over. It's, and it, it and that is like a really really difficult situation for us hurricanes because you have to be really really careful what jokes you make because some jokes people will not laugh about it they will react really 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 strong 
And yeah, I was I was a few weeks. I was um, I I teach flow movement. Yes, I um my I I I I teach people how to listen to themselves and how to um, let their body move them. And um, so my main the most receptive audience that I have for my work is within the ecstatic dance community. I think you know what it is exactly, right? Uh, this is the same community that also saw your videos, like your video. Everybody saw your video. Yes, it went everywhere. By the way, we should connect to each other. Just, just a side note. If you want to come to Germany, I'll organize you a workshop. Oh yeah, I want to come. Yeah. Let's do yes. it. That's good. Let's let's exchange uh, contacts. Um, so yeah, but the spiritual community, in my opinion, um, uh, is now should evolve. It's time to evolve. Uh, and yeah, I'm. I cannot. I cannot participate in this anymore because I'm like you said. You in order to get out of it, you have to f first fully get into it. The, or let's say the only way out is in. And I was in the spiritual community for a long, long time. And I, it's enough for me. It's enough. Uh, right. yeah. It's got its own like piety to it. It seems at this point. And I don't know your chart off the top of my head, Frank, but it's like the trickster element has always got to exist. Like the fool card, like you were saying, and that means offense is going to happen, but we're living in a kind of um, post me too kind of, uh, it's, it's a tricky time of identity politics and populism. And let me just say, because we talk about archetypes, the fool or the harlequin, however you want to put it, the heoka or whatever other words, is always by definition outside of any group, any preconception, any dogma. So the fool actually has to run in front of all the popularized things or whatever and can never fully fit inside it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the fool, you know, because that's mm. the edge of exploration of consciousness, you know. So just to add that. Thank you. Thanks so, for appreciating that. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Um, so what are what are y'all's thoughts on populism and meeting expectations? I mean, authenticity, like Frank was saying, is tricky in a market that won't, like Louis C.K., right? That's a good example. He was authentically doing his thing, I guess, and it did not work out for him um, in a personal lifestyle choice kind of way. Um, but how, how do you guys look at, um, how, how do I put this? <sighs> you want to you want to jam with the tune you don't want to be so abstract that it doesn't fit the music of life but at the same time you want to be able to take the themes in new directions so how do you how do you see um the kind of catalyst nature for your artwork within the confines of populism in a weird way i have like a very i don't give a fuck energy and maybe y'all have that too at some core level it's just like look i mean Obviously, we all want to like it's you know there's subconscious drivers that like we want to be a part of community and we want to you know be accepted. I'm sure, but then there's a rebelliousness kind of. I won't go say Luciferian because that's a little strong, but it's like there's this uh, Promethean kind of energy where it's just like I'm gonna do this whether it's permissible or not and popular or not. Uh, if whether the gods put me on a rock and get the bird to eat my guts every day, I don't care. I think it's worthwhile. Um, there's a risk there, and I think the reward is in and of itself. But I'm just kind of wondering how y'all, um, especially with the comedy, uh, Tony, how you kind of weave, because you're saying very explicit things, um, which I'm not offended by, but I would think that there's definitely certain, it's a weird way to put it, like progressive liberals wouldn't all love it necessarily, even though it's touching identity politics and progressivism. Kind of, see what I mean? It's like, it doesn't fit exactly. I think you would still offend people. Um, how do you deal with offending and expectations and all that jazz, I guess? 
is the long-winded question. Um, Frank, did you want to go first or? So I think it's about intention and what is your intention in the moment of creation? I personally believe intention is what people are reacting to when they consume any art. So if I take a photograph, I have said this before, but I am an amazing photographer. I take unbelievable pictures of people. It's not because I know anything. It's because I'm very excited to take your picture. I see you as like truly beautiful in that moment. I am just like really into maybe the lighting. I do know a bit about lighting, but I take these unbelievably beautiful pictures of people and they love them because I see them as beautiful and that's what they're reacting to. That's what they see. They see themselves through my eyes when they look at the picture. So I think that if I make a video where my intention is just to share myself and to share something that I thought was interesting, that's going to just be the energy that I put out. And I will feel really comfortable about that. So there was one video I put out about um, like BlackRock, you know, BlackRock and Vanguard being like the monopoly within the monopoly of our financial system. I felt like I had a good intention by sharing that video and making that video. And I did, you know, the research that I was capable of doing within the dark webs that I exist in. And so when, if people are like, I don't agree with you, you're dumb. You don't understand capitalism. I'm like, okay. Like I felt pretty good making that video. Also like cute outfit I was wearing. And like, I thought it was fucking funny. So when I make something in that way, I am not very much touched by what people said. Cause I felt like I was working with an integrity. If I make a video where I like have like a, like a little objective and my son, I hope this goes viral. Like, yeah, I hope you don't like this video. Yeah. And then somebody is like, oh, your video is stupid. I'll be like, oh my God, <laughs> oh no, like I feel so bad. So I just have to always force myself to just, when I'm feeling like my full integrity, that's the time to make videos. When I'm trying to like be seen, because I'm like, oh, my hair looks cute. I should be seen. Those are like not my best <laughs> videos, you know? So I think that that's, that's the place you just have to kind of keep settling in. And as a comedian, yes, I am here to push boundaries. I'm here to make people, I hate these things. I like feel like uh, I'm only doing it for you. And like brain, my brain is being melded by Apple. Your sacrifice is duly noted. Thank you. I don't fuck with that stuff. I only like analog, but everyone's like, I can't hear you. So I'm like, okay, fine. And like, now I'm just a digital cyborg. But um, my point is, you're part of the singularity, that, like your video or whatever. Yeah, no, it. like I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, what a dork. Like, I don't have a stupid thread. I like the thread. The thread's cool. Whatever. I'll let it go. What was I saying? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the intention. So as a comedian, I want to push buttons. I do. I want to make people think differently, but I don't want to alienate them in the process of making them think differently. So I wanted to show that was the most conservative, like politically conservative crowd I'd ever done a show for in my life. And I knew this because I was watching the comedians go on before me. They were dropping words that were not okay. You know, about from like a societal, I was like, I cannot believe these words are being said. I almost left the venue. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, these people are going to crucify me. I had, there, there was lots of guns. People were very excited about their guns. And then at some point someone said, um, is anyone 
hear a feminist, this is 150 people, not a fucking word, not one word, not one person was like, women are cool, you know, it was like 70% men. I was like, I'm gonna fucking die tonight, you know, I was like, but I had a, I had a set. And my set was like, my set, you know, like, and I, I was just like, I'm not gonna not do my set, you know, like, but you would never think that the set I had written was going to work for this, like, conservative group of dudes, obsessively, maybe there was like, out of 150 people, there was like, maybe 30 women, okay, best show of my fucking life, truly, truly the best show of my life, so it taught me so much, I mean, what are the reasons, because I got people that didn't agree with me to be on board with me, And they were interested in what I was saying and they were laughing with what I was saying, even though they did not agree with me. And I didn't say you have to agree with me. That wasn't the contract that we had. The only contract that we had was that like, I'm here to just like share myself with you. And that's what I'm doing. And they were, for whatever reason, they were tickled by me, you know? And I think because- It was like the Ben Shapiro effect kind of where they're like- It was the Ben fucking Shapiro effect. I do not know. I mean, I'm like something about me. I'm like, I think I just like, I am the medicine for right-wing men who just like don't really want to listen to me, but just somehow can't stop themselves from doing it. And well, I, it was truly- Part of that archetype, whether they're aware of it or not. You know, there's a subconscious part of us all that wants to play the Harlequin, like they're saying, and the totally. trickster. So it's like, even if- you know, you get psychopathics, you know, whatever, KKK members or whatever the fuck every now and then who are just like American history X style. And it's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. But um, but by and large, I think the whole Ben Shapiro effect, if we're going to coin it, that um, is that he, you're releasing steam for him. If that makes sense. Like these people are yeah. going through the motion so much of the yeah. bias, rigid, either way, left or right. It doesn't matter. Some people are such, you know, feminists that like they don't know how to talk with men. Without like totally. confrontation, you know, like or like, you know, oh, I'm gonna beat you up, or you, you, I, I don't. That's a weird analogy, but you know my point. It's like legalism and and strict strictures to fundamentalism. All it's like bones. Even a kid's bones grow. Like you were saying, there has to be this kind of elasticity to the structure. Um, and if you're not doing that, you're gonna have to find it outside of yourself. And that's kind of what your set it seems manifested in their lives. It's like. Oh, Sasquatch came here. I don't believe in Sasquatch, but we just saw a Sasquatch. So we're going to have to process this now. And yeah. Good thing not getting like, you know, murked on the way out. I'm glad you're still here or whatever. No, I, people were like, that was amazing. You were so funny. Like it was on, it was shamanic and it taught me. I'm like, what a bitch. Why was I being such a fucking asshole about these people jumping to well, so many conclusions that they weren't going to like me? Yeah, we walked I had in all a of lot of assumptions about how I'd be received and it opened up my mind and it opened up my heart because the reality is, is that people that ostensibly agree with me on paper are actually way more judgmental of me as an audience member, right? So people that don't necessarily agree with me, they're probably, maybe their hearts are more open to me for whatever reason. And I think for me as like a, a person, I am much more interested in the dynamics of conversation that I wouldn't expect. I love to be surprised. I love that me and like a group of men in flannel, you know, just like connected so hard that night. You know, I'm like, what a gift, what a true gift. So, and I think that what was, I like the idea is like, I sometimes was feeling, I was, for whatever reason, I was feeling for them or I was giving them permission to feel. Or maybe they were emotions or something. They were identifying with me for whatever reason. So I do think there is something, you know, when comedians say like, oh, 
can't say anything in cancel culture. Yes and no, you know, it's both. You can also, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like what a cool boundary to try to figure out how to get through. But I got to say the most closed-minded people are the people that are like, canceling people <laughs> you know like oh okay like that seems kind of closed-minded we should try to forgive fascism. them but okay yeah yeah it's like liberal fascism it's like uh, but it's tricky because there's a place for it like like it gets astrological when uh me too is kind of popping in a 2016 2017 jupiter was in scorpio so it was like getting to the bottom of like jupiter's about expansion and kind of like you know luck i guess and stuff i'm not going to get all into astrology but jupiter was in scorpio which is taboos and trauma and sexuality largely so it's like of course this stuff was coming up and i'm not saying it's not going to come up it's it seems like we just it's like the grooves on a record it's like the song is happening and we're kind of participating with it and then the manifestation of those grooves looks a lot different than maybe we would all suspect but like you were saying at the very beginning it's like it might be a lot more uh, scripted i'm not like a, a fatalist necessarily but it's like we're just singing the song of creation and the grooves have to go certain sine wave ways and certain holographic kind of interplays. And it's a really privileged time to be around. When you were talking about cancel culture, the first thing that came to my mind is um, Alex Jones's recent show with Kanye West. I don't know if you watched that. Um, interesting. And in kind of pivotal, I guess, in a sense, because people are starting to make intellectual um, camps. Um, and it, It's really going to, how would I put this? It's like The Shining. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, and he goes and kills his family and shit. It's like, um, and plus he was possessed or whatever. But um, I think if we lose our sense of play, um, it doesn't mean you have to be Pee Wee Herman on crack all the time, right? Or whatever. It's like, you know, Jackass is pretty immature. And, you know, like Steve-O is in a better place now, I think. Generally speaking, we could all agree, right? Uh, than like 10 years ago, if you know Jackass and all that stuff, that culture. Um, of course I know Steve-O. And I, I think you just really glossed over the phrase when Me Too was popping. Because I think... I know, that's a weird way. It, it, it was a causally necessary thing. I've heard it so long. You know when Me Too was popping? Well, that thing was like peaking. I was in Switzerland at that point, And I was like, this is going down. People are holding people accountable. And there was like a real, there's a spirit. It's kind of like 9-11 or there's a, that's a really bad example, but it's like that sometimes there's something that happens and people get behind it or aware of it in a certain way that's healthy, I guess you could say. And then it, then it fractals really quickly into the projections, drama, non-work well, trauma. Can I just say about the Me Too pop and movement? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is that I personally believe that if every single man in power was held accountable for raping women and children, we would have the revolution we are looking for. Yeah, it would be a fundamentally like, new system. That would take all the people in power out that need to be extricated from power. So what I thought was really popping about me too was this possibility that, holy shit, are these people going to be held accountable for their actions? And I believe just like Occupy Wall Street, just like any movement that's actually threatening, actually has true momentum. What happens? It's it's co-opted. It is contained. It's cannibalized. And it is, yeah. It's cannibalized. And also it is intentionally destroyed. It is intentionally destroyed. So I do think that like the potential of Occupy Wall Street to really take down the financial system at one moment. There the was this is healthy moment. And, good. Yeah, the and I think is the great. same thing with Me Too is that it had that certain moment of like potential accountability that could have been a genuine revolution. 
And I think a lot of people did that. I didn't mean to. I sounded like facetious. I didn't no, no, no. But anyway. I just I love the concept of Me Too popping. That's like actually really funny. And like you can a run really with it, make a joke. sketch. Yeah, um, but I, I that was the limit. I feel bad about it now. Like shit, I overspoke. Don't you? Don't you dare feel bad about it. It's fucking funny. <laughs> it's a fucking funny thing to say. And I do think that the same thing is happening with the cancel culture concept is that at one point people were like, hey, we need to have fucking boundaries that have not been honored. And so there was this group of people who were trying to create societal boundaries about how people are treated and how we communicate. It's like it was kind of like nonviolent communication manifested in a greater um, arena. And then I do believe, just like the conspiracy theory thing, I think that conspiracy theories were so threatening that it becomes diluted. It becomes intentionally diluted by the status quo. I think cancel culture is the same thing. I think Me Too was the same thing. There is this uh, infiltration, a psychic, a psyop movement to destroy all of these bubbling revolutionary thoughts. Well, it's kind of like sheepdogging. I mean, if you ever watch like Sheeps and Sheepdogs, it's like, You've got to, you've got to have, um, I, cause this sounds crazy. Cause I was never really into the whole, um, MAGA kind of thing. Like I was like, oh sure. If Trump is a time traveler, dope. I'll be surprised, I guess. Or, you know what I was like, I don't know what reality is, but cause anyway, but the point is I think both from the left and the right, cause I've heard things like the grateful dead was a psyop and LSD was given a bunch of people to make them break down the values of culture, which allows communism to come. I mean, you can go down many rabbit holes with this, right? Um, mm-hmm. but it feels like we're being kind of guided. Like when I watch Donald Trump, it's like, because uh, a lot of people are like he's a maverick, he's this ace in the hole, he's a voice for the people or whatever. I'm like, he's in the room where it happens, to quote Hamilton, and he's clanking glasses with the Obamas and the Clinton. It's it's this it's this oligarchy that is, and this gets tricky and very conspiratorial, like pyramidal Illuminati stuff or whatever. But it's like there's many handlers, I guess you could put it. And they come from and all like we tend to think like I mean it's very easy to be like Captain Von Trapp bad, Fraulein Maria good. Cause she's free and, and young and in, you know, whatever. And he's an asshole. And there is, and if the sound of music is kind of what I'm alluding to, um, there is a beauty, I guess, of him kind of coming back into his heart after his trauma and his wife died and he plays a guitar and he's like, Oh my God, my kids have neglected you. I mean, there's a beauty there, but that was a very like 1950s kind of like mode. Right. Um, God dang, I'm rambling. But the point is I, it, it, we're in a post truth kind of place. It seems that's one of the postmodern issues where it's like between deep fakes uh, I mean, even the Ukraine war is a good example where it's like, I have heard enough of my friends and stuff where they're like, like the, the popular sentiment would be like, Putin's a bad guy. Fuck him. He doesn't, he's not progressive enough. He's, he's totalitarian, clearly communist, whatever. And there's like kind of reactionary ingrained. Got him uh, you might want to put yourself on mute. Frank. Uh, uh, but, um, and I'm not, see, I haven't been paying attention. I just kind of went through a huge breakup and just have been reading books. So I'm not even watching the news. But the point is, Jim, Russia is like let's the bad go guy. to our guests. How do you say All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Tony, anything you want to reply? Or I'll let Frank reply, you know? I don't even know, yeah. Jim. It puts your question in, in, in some Is format. it turtles all the way down? Like, does it matter? Like, it seems like we're just being co-opted left and right. So it's like like you were saying with Occupy. It's like, look, 9-11 and these... Okay, people, let's make it simple. Because what Jim is oftentimes asking is, or these days asking is like, is there any reality? Is there anything to grasp? Or is everything just What's you know, the consensus? What are we reaching know? for? And, and is it true versus real? Like, anyway, that sounds crazy, I know. What would be your guy's answer to that? Like, how to how to you know just create your own perspective that is somewhat um maybe healthy this is my word now <laughs> um may i 
So the trickster, what what Tony is doing, which which I can totally I I can totally rely to your personality archetype, whatever, is that before the trickster triggers something, he do does a lot of research to understand what he's actually triggering. He actually he doesn't press the trigger just like that. He presses the trigger because he knows what it is. He studies it. He he went down the philosophy. He studied the the, the, the environment and all that stuff. So to get to Raphael's um, question, what I personally believe, I studied all kinds of philosophy and, and spiritual practices and all that stuff and tried to boil it down to one thing that is, in my opinion, really the absolute truth, which I have learned and known before. But now I, from my own perspective, know it's life is has no inherent meaning it's just about movement it's as simple as it is so if a structure gets um congested i don't know if the english word is correct yes so it st starts it, it moves and moves and suddenly it starts to gets blocked the trickster is the one who sees exactly that small small sand corn that blocks the movement and he pulls that out and things can move continue to move yeah and um yeah actually everything else is just taste it's just <laughs> aesthetics you like that you like you like to have some arguments some love to go to fight in the cage with other others some have a fetish there and there but in, it's just play it's just fun we're here for fun and uh yeah you you can start to project your like in a lot of this feministic movement is uh is this is uh like uh comes from this projection of let's say women that project their own failing of making their own life and decision just onto men because it's just a nice target to have uh yeah that's it uh i was the more I learn about life and the older I get, the less I start, I, I, I talk, the less I make opinions, the more I'm like, yeah, it's just moving, you know. Word. Uh, yeah, maybe I wasn't <laughs> succinct, but it's like, it seems like we're getting to a point of polarization, but it's like, I don't want to be polarized. Does that make sense? It's like, how do I not play the game? while still participating in be functional being like i look we're, we're political beings whether we vote or not it sounds weird we're economic beings just because you live in a neighborhood or a townhouse or you, you see but what i mean Jim, it's like we're a part of systems you have to you have to polarize you have to because polarization creates potential and potential contains the energy to move so if 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 tony and me if we do so stuff on social media the we we know from the beginning that we are going to make a division of 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 loading like we we will polarize because that's why we do it we do provoke and we do polarization in order to get that potential to create movement so and and the, the potential like we always speak about unfolding your potential <laughs> in the spiritual community you have to unfold my potential but we never speak about building potential how to create potential 
and potential is on some sort of a synonym actually for tension and that's it uh so you you have to in order to live and uh, the north uh north um northern celtic mythology about thor and uh, uh thor which was the other guy um odin and all stuff i don't know the english word for them they were saying exactly this life is about choosing which battlefield to enter and which one is just a matter of taste the one wants to fight here the one wants to fight there but life is about that mingling and fighting and all this stuff how german of you to think this way yeah i know i know super it's a struggle the more i know about myself the more i think oh my god i'm so german Oh, well. No, it's all okay. good. But it, we are what we is, to quote Frank Jaffa. It's like, it is what it is. I'll say one thing and I'll shut the fuck up and let Tony say whatever she'd like to say. Um, what I used to do for fun, I don't know why, Gemini shit, uh, would be eat acid and watch like f- uh, chaos math fractals. Uh, if you've ever watched um, Mandelbrot tours, basically is what it is. It's like zooms on Mandelbrots. And it's like, you start seeing what we're talking about, like tipping points within schematics where... W- on a social level, it'd be like, this is a revolution. Look, oh my gosh, feminism came in and now it's reacting to this. Now there's cancel culture. It, it, it's to a schematic, which is basically a fractal zoom, which I guess is the hologram infinitely eating itself orally. I mean, see, once we started, I think we all get it, but then I'm just like, how do we do this chill for others? Like, you're doing a really good job, Tony, of, of being where you're at. Does that make sense? Um, and you're not trying to prove it, but you're processing aloud and it's, it's a catalyst, I guess. And I'm just at a point where I'm like, how can we have alchemical catalysts without, um, not offending isn't the right word, but it's like, I guess, I guess I just, I'm hearing myself. I don't trust the fucking process. And it's like, uh, how can I control this? How can I influence this? It's like, you know what? I got to just fucking chill the fuck out. I feel like a baby and I'm seeing the breach. It's like, Oh, what's going to happen? Where am I going or whatever? And it's like, I can't fucking guess. You know, you're never gonna guess. You get born and start breathing and have a doctor smack you and all this shit. So it's like, I should probably trust. Anyway, I'm rambling. I, I'm answering my own questions. Like it's a fractal. It's zooming. It's forever and ever. Amen. And you, where you find yourself is in the dance, as both of you would probably understand more than I, uh, given my lack of gyratorial um, <laughs> acumen or whatever. So, uh, Tony, I just totally ransacked it, but feel free to say whatever you would like to those sentiments or the the points we've been making. Well, I think one of the things you're referencing is this concept of being in a post-truth society and kind of what I feel like Frank is saying is that like everything is, I mean, maybe I'm projecting, everything is a question. So the truth is insignificant as much as the process of finding the truth, right? It's like that is the that is your philosophical journey is not that we're going to come up with these answers. And now, oh, cool, we won life. We answered. It's like, no, we are pursuing the investigation of what is dark matter. We're pursuing the investigation of what is the space between atoms. Will we ever know? No. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Check out the lights. I was like, Vanilla Ice, who's a dick? But I think the nah, 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 that little—that's yeah. mine, my guys. Fuck off, copyright. It's like what, bro? That's a good example, right? Uh, anyway, I sorry. So it's like, like from a ice. from a Buddhist perspective, all of this conversation around identity, nationalism, you know, gender, religion, all of these things that are trying to make us feel separate than, separate from. These are all just illusions. These are all just causing us suffering. These are all just 
aspects to our own monkey mind, right? And the monkey mind is attached to division and the soul is attached to ultimate inclusion and to fully achieve that in a layman's life, you know, not in meditation practice all day, every day. It's really challenging because we all pick up the shiny toy and that shiny toy at one point might be like a fight with your boyfriend or it might be like some comment you got on Twitter or whatever. The shiny toy is indicative of distraction and it's indicative of the way you want to. I think this is kind of what Frank was saying is like we entertain ourselves with aesthetic. We entertain ourselves with opinion. We entertain ourselves with concepts of what is true and isn't true. When in truth, truth will never be told through language we will never come to a collective truth through language that collective truth will only happen through heart communication with our mouths fucking shut you know reminds me that uh i used to trip right before i would trip i'd listen to this alan watts breathing meditation thing and he's like and it's this he hits a gong he's like and we won't give it a name it's like it's happening it's happening now and then we like you're saying we kind of fall into our cognition and drama and baggage uh, it's a trip. I mean, I guess I remember, but um, yeah, part of me is working obviously through all this. This this podcast started off all, but just as me talking with Raphael as like almost a psychotherapeutic couch. It turned into like bringing cool people on and then like figuring shit out. But there's nothing to figure out. It's more just like um, a taxonomical kind of foray into like who art thou do you think now for the moment and the fractal will keep bleeding in a second. So yeah, but if we were to just sit still, there wouldn't be a podcast, I guess. <laughs> or so, there would be no dance moves, right? I'd say thank you for sticking out with us so long. I'd give the word to the both of you once again if there's anything else uh, you'd like to mention. Uh, but I think, you know, we've you know <laughs> done well, you know. The other things can only be communicated by frequency, you know. Scala waves probably, immediate transmission across the ether. Yeah, so anything else, uh, maybe Frank first and then Tony that you'd like to say. Uh, in the end, um, integrity is is. If 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 you see children how they they work with attention, it's like they they when they see something, they look at it and they are totally absorbed with it and they gravitate towards the thing. They look at it. The moment they see something else, they just drop the other thing and they're absorbed by that one, and that's some sort of a movement from from interest to interest and tony i i know what and i know what and this is actually also goes for you jim and for rafael and all of us that we are driven by curiosity and as long this curiosity can we can sustain the curiosity we have momentum we have drive we have hunger and we have uh, lust to live and um yeah what was actually my point um uh did i have even a point i don't know <laughs> but curiosity is um uh yeah ah yeah okay so if if a system gets gets cloaked congested it starts to become boring if i can see something if i can recognize a pattern twice it's already boring mm. so um yeah at the long ter- in the short term we might run into many many problems but on the long term, it is beneficial to stay true to yourself, stay to your integrity and um, move on. Yeah, that's my word. Thank you.
Thank you, Frank. Tony. Yeah, I like that. I like that curiosity and lust for life. And I also think it's it's funny about the patterns, what you said, you know, once you recognize the pattern, it gets boring, but then it's always fun to create a pattern and then shake it up, <laughs> right? And I think that that's what we are here to do is surprise each other. So I, I agree. I like curiosity. I like surprise and I like a lust for life. Great, Jim. And now you're muted. I don't know how that happened. Um, you have the final saying, word. What's the point, right? And it reminded me of Bill Hicks, another comedian, right? Where he's like, what's yeah. the point? What's the point of this? It's just a fucking ride. It's a Mandelbrot tour. <laughs> and we've just got to kind of work it out. Um, the movement we need is on our shoulders, right? We need to perspective shift constantly. Um, and I think Tony, Frank, Raphael, uh, you guys um, are catalysts of change, agents of change. And we're desperately needed right now because people are bored and they're starting to itch at their collars and snap at the people in the car next to them or whatever. So I think the more novel and the more interesting people can find options out there that are less, I don't know, condemnatory or, you know, hardcore or whatever. I don't even know the right word. Let's interjecting fun. Anyway, Tony. I really do appreciate you coming on. I don't know how many Thank podcasts you. you've done, but you are the exact guest I needed to kind of get the lubrication in the wheels again going. So much love to you. Um, tell your I love to be friends. lube. I love to be emotional lube. And I do also want to give a big shout out to Melissa, who's been chatting away yeah. over there. And I, I love Melissa's energy. I know. I hope you good. come and find me, Melissa. And we'll be friends till the end. That's how it works. All right, guys. Yeah, the royal we. We're all out here. We're doing it. So just enjoy the dance. Everybody keep moving. Stay true to yourselves. Thanks so much. Thank you.